I know we have a few board game aficionados here, and I was thinking, gosh, it's probably about time that we plan for another midwinter board board games evening or something. It could be rather fun. But um, I wonder if you've ever come across a board game called Upwards. Anyone know Upwards? Oh, okay, good, okay, that, that sounds good. So uh, for those who don't know, it's a vertical or three-dimensional form of Scrabble. So it involves not just stacking sideways, but also stacking the tiles upwards as well. And uh, it's a lot of fun, and um, I'd be very happy to challenge anyone to a game sometime. So let, let's plan to have some board games um, during the winter. But I got to thinking about upwards as we celebrate today the ascension of Jesus risen, ascended and glorified. And I love the songs uh, we sing in this season which are tremendously uplifting. And perhaps that's the cumulative effect of so many upwards uh, in them. Uh, but for those for whom phone apps might be more exciting than board games, I wonder if you've ever come across Jesus Jump. This is a game app where you have to make the risen Jesus bounce from cloud to cloud as he ascends to heaven. But the downside is when you miss a cloud and he falls back down to earth and you're into theological disaster territory. <laughs> now there are those though who would say that the ascension itself is theological disaster territory. Surely we no longer believe in a three-tier lift-shaft-style universe with heaven, earth, and the other place all stacked up on top of each other as in medieval times. Surely, as people of our age, we can no longer subscribe to that idea of Jesus ascending at all. And there are also those of a of scientific bent who have calculated, yes, people do these things, that it would take Jesus several billion years traveling at the speed of light to reach the edge of the known universe and to enter some sort of transcendent realm beyond. And of course, another several billion years to return. It's interesting, isn't it, though, how easy that we can resort to a sort of biblical literalism or a scientific literalism and miss the point of what is actually being proclaimed here by the writers of the New Testament and particularly Luke who gives us two accounts of the ascension of Jesus just to make sure. Firstly at the end as we heard today at the very end of Luke's gospel and then also in Acts 1 in Luke's sequel so the very first chapter and twice there Luke is very clear that the risen Jesus is exalted, glorified after those 40 days of coming and going, if you like, and uh, lots of those uh, resurrection appearances, but the disciples couldn't pin Jesus down, and then finally he says, I am returning to the Father. But one of the things they found perhaps hardest to grasp was he says, this needs to happen. Uh, because then I will send my spirit. So Jesus could then go from being just in one place, if you like, and in one time, to being in all space and in all time, and available to us wherever we are in God's world. It's hard for us to grasp, because we still live in space and in time, to think, what does that mean to say that Jesus is now beyond our space-time limitations, and so able to be with us by the Spirit, and able to be with us today.
So those are the challenging things to think about. And of course, Luke and the other gospel writers, as they wrote the scriptures, went looking in the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, the only scriptures they had, and found ways to express that. And one of the greatest that they use is to talk about Jesus as the king, as the one who is triumphant and victorious, and to talk about the victory won at the cross that is vindicated in the resurrection. So you have the wonderful language that they get from the Psalms about the enthronement of kings. And sometimes we use uh, lovely Psalms, God has gone up with a shout of triumph, with a fanfare of trumpets. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift yourselves up, you everlasting doors, that the king of glory may come in. And so that's talking about the king originally in the Old Testament, the king coming into the temple. But we see that as applying to Jesus coming into his rightful place in the Father's glory. If you think of the language you've used already today, perhaps, I hope you will see some of the metaphors, some of the picture language we use. Uh, you might have come in and said, I'm feeling pretty upbeat today. I was when the music, I heard the wonderful music as I came in. What time did you get up? I'm on top of things at the moment, or I'm not. Are you up to speed on this? She's at the peak of her career. This is a fine, upstanding congregation we have here. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to stand uh, through the whole service. So while a lot of the language of the ascension we understand is not just talking about an up direction. It's not as uh, one of the Russian cosmonauts first went up in a rocket. He said, I did not see Jesus anywhere. Um, that is that literal thinking of Jesus is just on that cloud just beyond there. The cloud has always been in the scriptures a symbol of God's presence and God's glory. So Jesus is there with the Father in the glory. So we can say, though, sometimes nowadays, and perhaps we do, isn't all this ascension language a bit triumphalistic, a bit over the top? All the stuff about Jesus enthroned as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, think of the, the Hallelujah Chorus, Jesus enthroned in glory over the nations, and we long for that. But we might say, how come we don't see this in reality? That feels really hard. Why is our world still in such a mess? Why does it seem so often that Jesus has indeed shot through, disappeared off this planet, and left us to our own devices? That was perhaps how the disciples first felt. They were, yes, uh, they worshipped, they realised that Jesus had gone to be with his father as he said he would, but they were still anxious, they were still fearful, and they were told to wait and to pray and to wait for the coming of God's Spirit. But sometimes still we can feel, isn't there a disconnect between the great language of the ascension and the sometimes tough reality, really tough reality of life in this world? And I think that's where I find comfort in some of the extraordinary artworks that have been created uh, of the Ascending Christ. This one I put there um, uh, is by a Filipino artist, but I quite like the way it's, um, it doesn't, it's not trying to take a photo. It's leaving to your imagination a little um, of what it must have been like for those disciples to be there with the ascended Christ. And he's almost moving between two worlds, between two perspectives. But sometimes, and if you're ever out at Hallswell, 
you might like to pop into St. Mary's Church because it has a stained glass window of the Ascension where Jesus is like this. Um, and it really looks almost like a sort of a, a rocket going off. Um, and you, we understand that imagery, but it almost has a little bit of a beam me up Scotty sort of, sort of effect to it. Um, others, and I don't know whether those who've been in England, have ever, anyone ever been to Walsingham? Um, it's, a, it's, a, yeah, it's a very uh, interesting and uh, Anglo-Catholic shrine in England. And they have a chapel of the Ascension, which has in the ceiling a, a round bit that goes round like that, and which has sort of got clouds around the edge of it. And then all you can see sticking through is two feet, um, literal plaster feet. And the, the thing I find rather strange about them is that they've tried to sort of portray glory coming off them, but they look like these incredibly long nail extensions. Um, so, um, so it's sort of a particular Victorian piety, I think, but um, it, it sort of, yeah, it's quite hard. It's a, it's a very physical rendering, if you like, of Jesus' ascension. But in some ways I like that, because in some ways it reminds me that Jesus took our humanity with us in the ascension. It was the human Jesus, yes, son of God, but Jesus took his humanity with him into God, into the divinity. And that is why Jesus came uh, to live in this world and then to take our humanity back into God. What an awesome thought that is. Jesus who knows what it is like to live in this world. Uh, Jesus whose feet needed washing and who washed the other disciples' feet, took those same feet back into uh, the Godhead, and he also took those feet bearing scars, bearing the scars of the cross. They're still there. It's not as if they're suddenly magicked away. And I think I really like that because it reminds me that Jesus knows what it is like. It's not that he's spirited off and is not thinking about uh, our earth. As he moves within now those interlocking spheres, sometimes it's easy to think rather than up and down to think of God's kingdom and our world interlocking. And as we pray, uh, sometimes I do that as I pray the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We pray for more interlocking of those spheres so that this world may be more like the kingdom of God. But that humanity is there in Jesus, and I really hang on to that. Um, our previous Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams, said this, Our humanity, in all its variety, in all its vulnerability, has been taken by Jesus into the heart of the divine life. The humanity that we all know is stained and wounded and imprisoned in various ways. This humanity, yours and mine, is still capable of being embraced by God shot through with God's glory, received and welcomed into the burning heart of God. And that's a lovely promise too, that our humanity too, that we'll be taken home safe to shore uh, with that knowledge that we too will be with Jesus in his kingdom and in the heavenly home prepared for us. It also gives me confidence because I, we know that the ascended Jesus intercedes for us. And that's a lovely promise we have in various scriptures. Romans 8 talks about Jesus interceding for us in ways that reflect his experience of life on earth. 
Paul said to the Romans in that great Romans 8, who is to condemn? For it is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, yes, who is now at the right hand of God, who intercedes for us, who prays for us, who will separate us from the love of Christ. So Jesus, as the intercessor who knows and shares our humanity, is someone who's accessible to us who hears our prayers and the longings of our hearts. And so we can pray to Jesus and bring our prayers to him because he knows what it's like to be here. There's a lovely uh, hymn, Alleluia, Sing to Jesus, we sing sometimes, and it has a lovely verse which just piles up those images of Jesus, intercessor, friend of sinners, earth's redeemer, plead for me. They're lovely uh, images. How does Jesus do that for us? How does he intercede? Well, we pray, and Jesus prays for us. And when we don't know how to pray, when, when we're just really struggling with how to pray for a person or for a situation in the world, we bring them, that person or that country or that situation, in our heart and imagination before Jesus. And perhaps picture him interceding for us. Interceding literally means standing in the gap. And that's a lovely image of Jesus who bridges human and divine standing in the gap for us. So when we struggle, when we don't know how to pray for our world and its people, and there's so many situations today, we bring them before Jesus, our intercessor. And that's the best thing we can do. Uh, as Lord Tennyson said, more things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. And so we keep praying. This year, and uh, as in recent years, our Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, has asked us to pray again, particularly in these 10 days between Ascension last Thursday and Pentecost uh, next Sunday. And um, he's used the banner, Thy Kingdom Come. So taking that part of the Lord's Prayer and praying, Thy Kingdom Come on earth as it is in heaven. And we so long that the values and the attributes of God's reign of justice and peace, of love and care, would be visible on earth in a world of so much suffering. Especially in this time of COVID, uh, thinking of countries both near and far to us, those with whom we have connections and people we love around the world. And then too, uh, particularly, I've been thinking this week of renewed violence in the Holy Land, the land of the Holy One, uh, where we grieve for so many innocent lives lost and caught up in the crossfire. We can feel powerless. We don't know what to do. But our job is to pray to the ascended Lord, your kingdom come. But also, of course, to try to be the answer to our prayers and to really try to live out our lives together as the body of Christ and the body of Christ round the world, seeking to live into that reality of the ascended and reigning Christ and to live that into the world, that God's reign might come on earth as it is in heaven. Praying, Lord Jesus, I pray that your lordship and kingship will be seen in my life and in the way that I live and the way that I try to live. We are so often, as a church, so often aware of our own fragility and our failings and our weariness sometimes. But this is the season to be particularly praying 
thy kingdom come. And two, in this season uh, for preparation for Pentecost, in these next 10 days, next week now, um, I love the ancient, very ancient prayer, Come Holy Spirit, one of the simplest prayers, but one of the oldest, which has been prayed throughout the church, where we pray for the strengthening presence of God's Spirit to be with us and to be abroad in the world that God loves. And I often go back to that image of the dove right uh, from Genesis. The Holy Spirit is the, the dove brooding over the world, brooding over chaos and bringing comfort and bringing peace. Think of that dove of Noah again, bringing peace. And we need to be praying, Lord, send forth your spirit. Renew the face of the earth. Bring comfort. Bring peace where it's needed. And may we too be, have the courage to be willing to be the answer to our own prayers together. I want to close uh, just with one of the other collects for Ascension from our prayer book. Eternal God, the King of glory, you have exalted your only Son with great triumph to be Lord of all. Leave us not comfortless, but send your Holy Spirit to strengthen us that we may work for the coming of your reign. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.